0: this is a house of prayer amen I don't know what that burden is that thing is we all have them but some of us might be in a peculiar season right now where it just doesn't seem like this thing is going to be lifted I don't know But we're going to do what the song said, which comes from what the Bible says. Take it to the Lord in prayer. So if you would like to pray, you'd like to join me here at the altar. Come on now. Come on now. Let's pray together. Come on. Bring that thing to Jesus. Come meet me right here. Let's pray. Let's talk to him about it. Sometimes we don't have because we didn't ask. But I'm coming to Jesus in his house. Saying, Lord, would you help me with this? Would you help me with that? Some of us have been waiting on the Lord for a minute we've gotten weary weary even in well doing we're tired he knows but let's pray together if you didn't come forward that doesn't mean that you don't have something but some of us need to come because we just got to give it to him we got to do something demonstrative so let's take a moment of silence okay and let's talk to the father ourselves. Let's tell him about that thing that he already knows about. Let's take it to him in prayer and then I'll close us in prayer. Father God, the song said, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. And oh, what needless pain we often bear. Because we do not carry everything to you in prayer. Jesus, thank you for making the way possible where we could go to the Father In your name knowing that when we ask of the father in your name and it be according to your will that the father hears us and the father will give us what we're asking for father you are so good you've blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places through Christ Jesus You've given us everything we need for life and godliness. You know what we have need of before we ask, but sometimes you make us wait. And while we're waiting on you, Lord, sometimes we get discouraged and sometimes the liar comes and tempts us to not trust you and... Our theology goes out of the window, and we wonder, where are you, and are you able? I thank you that you remember our frame, that you know that we're dust. Lord, you are infinite. We are finite. And we're coming to you, Lord, saying, help us. And and again, thank you that you know what we need before we ask, and you've even given your children the Holy Spirit. Because sometimes, Lord, we don't even know how to put the words together. We just know our hearts are heavy. We just know something's going on, and we can just sigh. Or like the psalmist, sometimes we just say, oh, God, oh, Lord. And the Holy Spirit takes those moans, those groans, and he interprets them before your throne. Your throne of grace. So, Father, when we say amen to this prayer, we're going to know that we've been in your presence. We're going to know that you've heard us. We're going to know that you're able. We're going to know that you're capable. And even if it doesn't change tonight, we sang that it could late in the midnight hour. You can turn it around. But if it doesn't change tonight, weeping might endure for another night. But joy is coming. It's on the way. So, Father, would you give your children joy? That would be their strength. Would you renew their strength as they wait on you? Might they be like the psalmist when David said, I am confident I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. For that child that has been wayward, we trust you that we're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. For these bills that seem to amount to more than what I have in my account, we're going to trust that we're going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Lord, this pain that's been wracking my body, we're going to trust that we are going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. lord this pain that has been racking my body we are going to trust that we are going to see the goodness of the lord in the land of the living you are not done yet. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in your children, making us overcomers, making us people who have the victory. So remind us, oh God, who we're talking to. We're talking to the all-wise God. God all by yourself. Lord, I'm just their pastor. I, I don't know what's going on in every home and in every heart and in every situation. But you are their shepherd, their, their good shepherd. You, you're going to lead them beside still waters. You, you're going to lead them to green pastures. You're going to lead them through the valley, even if it's A shadow of death there. You've promised to be with them and, and to anoint their heads with oil. Lord I pray for fresh oil on your people. I pray that you would fill cups that are empty to the point where they overflow with joy and hope and peace. Thank you God. We're going back to our seat knowing that we cast our cares on you because you care for us. The devil is a liar. And we thank you, Jesus, for rendering a head blow, a death blow to the devil on the cross. We thank you for the blood that you shed that gives us the victory today. We thank you for an empty tomb. Oh, God, you're so real. Thank you, Jesus. We pray for lost family members, lost co-workers, lost neighbors, that, God, we would be your fragrance, we would be your light, we would be your salt, we would be your mouth, that we would open up our mouths and declare your goodness no matter where we are thank you again you're a good god and we praise you in Jesus name and all of God's people said amen amen can i get that ooh again ooh, ooh. feel better? (laughs) Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, I want you to turn to a passage this morning that is just as inspired as John 3.16. I want you to turn to a passage this morning that is just as inspired as Romans 8.28 passage that's just as inspired as Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. I want you to turn to Romans chapter 1. Amen? Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. This inspired portion of Scripture. And I will read verses 26 and 27 to get us started for our message today. Romans 1, beginning at verse 26. Paul writes, for this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. So with your prayers and the help of the Holy Spirit, let's talk this morning on the subject of problems with Paul, part one. Problems with Paul, part one. Today we live in what is called a cancel. Culture, A cancel culture. And a cancel culture refers to the online mass withdrawal of support and shaming of public figures as a way of expressing disapproval for things said and done that aren't considered socially acceptable. I'm talking today about cancel culture, that that people will say, because you spoke against Beyonce, the beehive is serving notice on you that you are canceled. And so you begin to lose support online, which may cause you to lose jobs, which may cause you to lose income because a group of people decided to cancel you online because they didn't like what you said or they didn't like what you did. Well, Will Smith has been canceled. Ariana Grande has been canceled. Kanye West has been canceled. At one time, Taylor Swift has been canceled. Chris Evans has been canceled. Captain America has been canceled. Yes, Eminem has been canceled. Congresswoman Liz Cheney has been canceled. Senator Ted Cruz has been canceled. The left will cancel people on the right. People on the right will cancel people on the left. People in Hollywood will cancel people in the government. People in the government will cancel people in Hollywood. People in sports get canceled by fans. On and on and on. And if you even want to dig deeper, Christopher Columbus has gotten canceled. (laughs) Critical race theory gets canceled. Canceling is nothing new because there's nothing new under the sun. Because if we go back to the life of Jesus, Jesus was canceled. One week, or at the top of the week, rather, they said, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But by the end of that week, they changed the Hosanna into crucify him. They canceled him. And when he died on the cross, he was alone. Women showed up. John came back, but where were all them people he fed when they were hungry? Where were all them people he healed? So many people canceled our Christ. And the Apostle Paul knows a little bit about being canceled as well. Paul, who is the author of the text we're going to dig in today in the book of Romans, he knows about cancel culture. He was canceled by the Judaizers when he ministered. The Judaizers were a group of people who came to Christ, but they held on to Moses and the law and circumcision. So they didn't want to let that go as they accepted the Lord of grace. And so they felt that Paul was teaching and preaching something that went against the law, not knowing that the law prophesied that the lamb would come To set us free from the law of sin and death. But still these people tried to cancel Paul to the point where they would follow him from city to city and town to town. Went so far as to stone him thinking that they stoned him to death. And the Christians drug him out of the city, prayed over him and Paul got back up. You know it's bad when they cancel you to the point of trying to kill you. Paul was whipped, beaten, jailed. He was canceled over and over again. But here's the thing he would say. He would say, you could put me in chains, but the gospel is not chained. So, so you, you could try to cancel me, but you cannot cancel the gospel of Jesus Christ. And not only did the people in his day, the Judaizers, try to cancel him, but hundreds of years later, the enslaved, believe it or not, my ancestors sought to cancel Paul. Many of them sought to cancel Paul. Pastor Chris, what are you talking about? Well, because of the institution of slavery and how cruel and inhumane it was and how it was a tool of white supremacy and how it was a, a, a form of christianityism not true Christianity. Christianity, the Bible, Jesus was used in a way to make the enslaved docile, Inferior and submissive to slave masters and to white people to the point where over and over again on Sunday mornings, as the preacher would preach, whether it was an enslaved preacher or if it was a white preacher, many times they would quote Paul out of the book of Ephesians or the book of Colossians saying, slaves, 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 obey your masters. And so the enslaved got so tired of hearing this over and over again that they ended up canceling Paul. And there are studies and interviews of people who came out of that era whereby they say that they do not care for Paul. They just want to hear about Jesus. They don't want to hear about Paul because Paul was misused. And so there are many who cancel him. You may even run across some preachers who don't preach Paul because of that. And they'll kind of talk about, I'm only going to preach Jesus. I'm only going to preach the Gospels. What they fail to see is that the Gospels and the Epistles are both the word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what we're doing right now. doctrine for reproof for what we're doing right now, for rebuke, for correction, and for instruction in righteous living. All of that is in the Word. Whether Paul wrote it under the inspiration of the Spirit or Jesus spoke it because he was the one anointed with the Holy Spirit, the Scriptures come from God. So we don't part and parcel it and say, I don't like this part because I canceled the author. I only like this part because I'm down with Jesus. No, when you heard Paul, you heard Jesus. Jesus. And so Paul would get canceled by the enslaved, unfortunately. And when we come to our era, Paul has been canceled by the progressives or liberals. And in some instances, he's canceled by conservatives, depending upon when he's talking about justice and things like that. People want to cancel and pick and choose the parts that they don't agree with. But many progressives have problems with Paul because of his statements Against homosexuality. There it is, I said it. Progressives or liberals will either ignore Paul's words altogether, in other words, they play hopscotch. They they, they end at Romans chapter 20, I mean Acts chapter 28, and hop over to Romans chapter 3. They hopscotch. They don't want to stop at chapter one. They ignore Paul's words altogether or they say he has been grossly misinterpreted by people like me. I've had people tell me that, you know, when I'm preaching what Paul says on this subject. People say, oh, You've misinterpreted Paul. Well, has Paul been grossly misinterpreted or are we grossly misguided? But before we can talk about how mankind has distorted sex, we must talk about how mankind has attempted to suppress the truth. Mankind has attempted to suppress the truth. Look at Romans chapter 1 verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. there it is, right there. So Paul, who is making a case in the book of Romans, he's talking about the righteousness of God. That's really the theme of Romans, this book that has been called the Constitution of Scripture, because in it we see what the gospel is from a legal standpoint. You know, Paul sat at the feet of Gamaliel, who was a lawyer, so Paul sometimes would craft his letters like good legal arguments. So he's going to start off as he's talking about the righteousness of God, which comes through the gospel. He's going to say, man, uh, in order to talk about the righteousness of God, I got to talk about the unrighteousness of man so that people can understand the lengths and the depths that God went through in order to save us from our sin through his son in the gospel. So he starts off by saying, I got a word for the Gentile world that's what we see in chapter 1. He's talking to Gentiles. So he's writing to Rome, the church in Rome, uh, Jew and Gentile. But Rome is a Gentile community. And remember, Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. So he's writing to the Gentiles in chapter 1. Then he's got to deal with the moral Gentiles in chapter 2, early part of chapter 2. The the Gentiles who are not like the heathens and the pagans. They're they're moral. They're good. And and he's got a word for them, too, to let them know that they've sinned. And then in chapter 2, he's also going to deal with the Jews who have the law, who have circumcision, and who have Abraham and Moses. But he's got to let the Jews know that you are a sinner as well. You are unrighteous. And he's going to hit chapter 3, verses 9 and 19, and say that the whole world is guilty before God. The pagan, the heathen, the Gentile, the moralist, the Jew. Everyone is guilty before God. All have sinned. But I like how he says in verse 21 of chapter 3, but now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made manifest to which the law and the prophets agree. This righteousness comes by faith in Jesus Christ. So the remedy for unrighteous folk is Jesus. So he's starting off saying, look, look now, y'all are trying to suppress the truth. So I've got to ask the question, what does suppress mean? The word suppress means to hold down. You heathens are trying to hold down the truth. The truth about what? The truth about God. The truth of God. In chapter 1, verse 25, it says that they exchanged the truth of God. So they are suppressing the truth. What truth? The truth of God. The truth about God. They're trying to hold down the truth. Well, according to Romans chapter 1, what is the truth about God? If they're suppressing the truth, what is the truth about God? Well, according to Romans chapter 1, verse 17, God is righteous. They're trying to suppress that. God is wrathful, 118. They're trying to suppress that. God can be known, verse 19, but they're trying to suppress that. Uh, God, he has invisible attributes which are clearly seen, verse 19, but they're trying to suppress that. God has eternal power, but they're trying to suppress that in verse 20. Verse 21, God is to be glorified as God, but the heathen wants to hold that down and suppress that. Verse 23, God is incorruptible, but they want to suppress that. God is the creator, verse 25, but they are trying to hold that down. God is sovereign, verse 28, but they're trying to suppress that. And God is the righteous judge, verse 32, but they're suppressing the truth about God. God put it in them, God put it around them, but they don't want to admit it. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. But what may be known of God is manifested in them through a conscience. The Ten Commandments were written on our heart before we ever saw the tablets from Moses. We know what's right. We know what's wrong. Why? Because we were made in the image of God. And even though we're fallen, it's still in our hearts. And it's around us when we look at creation. Beyond an intelligent designer, we know that there is a God, someone greater than us to do all of this. But we're going to suppress it and hold it down. It's like going to the pool. You're in your pool and you're playing with your friends and somebody's going to bring out a beach ball. You're putting the beach ball, you're punching it around, all that stuff. But every now and then you try to suppress the beach ball. You try to put it under the water to to hold it down. But what's going to happen? Beach balls going to pop back up because as much as you try to suppress it, there's something in it that won't keep it down under the water. It must come up again. There's something about God that even though men try to suppress him, hold him down, put him down, he's going to rise to the surface whether you like it or not. Because truth crushed to earth will rise again. But man, it's foolish. And whenever he suppresses the truth, they end up exchanging the truth about God for the lie. Look at verse 25 again. They've exchanged the truth of God For the lie, the lie, the truth, the lie. What is the lie? The lie is that man is God. That's the lie. Uh, Look at verse 23. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. And then birds, four-footed animals and creeping things, and we could say trees and rocks and everything else. So rather than worshiping God, the one true God, man chooses to worship himself. Man chooses to put himself on the throne and as the center of the universe. So the lie is that man is God and man is to be worshiped and man is in control, which is the first Thing that the devil said to Adam and Eve in the garden when he came and he tempted them. You see, what, what, what this thing is, this lie? It's the oldest trick in the book. Because uh, if we went back to Genesis chapter 3, the serpent says, God knows that the day you eat from this tree, you will be like God. And what that meant for them and why that aroused them is that they see that God is independent and they want to be independent but they can't be independent because they're created they're created and God shows his independence and his authority and sovereignty by saying yeah I'm going to bless you with every tree but don't touch this one right here there are some regulations in your relationship with me you are not me even though you were made in the image of me you are subservient to me And so Satan, who wanted to be God himself and got kicked out of heaven for that, comes and tempts Adam and Eve with the same thing that he fell from, which was a desire to be independent and to be like God. But there's only one God who shares his glory with no one, and he kicks Satan out of heaven, and now he's got to kick Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. You're going to learn today. But that doesn't mean that that lie still doesn't get us. Though I'm saved, redeemed, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, I still struggle with wanting to be the center of the universe. I still want to be right. I want to be seen. I want to be first. I want to be most. I want to act like I got it all under control. Only God has that kind of power. So there's this thing in us to want to be independent. Sometimes the only time we pray is when we're going through something because we have a tendency of being independent. So God says, I got to keep trials in this brother's life because that's the only time this brother talked to me. (laughs) Because as soon as he get a little something, something, the head blow up. Pride, self-reliance. Self-reliance tells on us in terms of a prayerless life. If we don't pray, oh, you're self-reliant. You think you're God. That's the lie. That's the lie. And man wants to become God because he doesn't want God telling him what to do. You're not going to tell me not to touch this tree. I do what I want to do. You're not going to tell me how to live my life. I do what I want to do. Well, suppression of the truth always leads to a vicious downward cycle. This cycle includes self-deification, self-indulgence, and self-destruction. So when you want to suppress the truth about God, believe the lie, the cycle is coming. And the first thing is that suppression of the truth always leads to self-deification. Look at verse 20. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Being, and what are God's attributes? Holiness, love, grace, mercy, power, all those things. Man sees them, whether in Timbuktu or in Nashville. Man can clearly see being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Verse 21, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like incorruptible man. So you wonder where white Jesus comes from? Here it is. You wonder where American Jesus comes from? Here it is. Republican Jesus? Here it is. They made God into their own Image, Which is why God said at Jump Street, don't make no image of me. Because anytime you make an image of me, man, it's going to fall short of me. Moses couldn't even look on God and live. And here y'all are trying to uh, paint a picture of God. He's going to end up looking like you. God is spirit. So they're worshiping themselves, saying that they're worshiping God. For us to follow God that made men We must stop following the gods that men made. Ah, you missed. I said it too fast. For us to follow the God that made men, we must stop following the gods that men made. Stop worshiping that house. Stop worshiping that car. Stop worshiping that job. Stop worshiping that spouse. Stop worshiping that parent. None of that stuff is worthy. It's all created. Worship the creator. And when we're canceling God, small g, we need to start with ourselves. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I am not the man. That's why John the Baptist was quick. People praising him. Oh, John the Baptist. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold, time out. Uh, I'm not worthy to carry his shoes. I must decrease. He must increase. I ain't the Christ. So, so don't be tripping up in here. You see, God is transcendent. That means... He is other than anything man can ever comprehend. So as soon as we try to comprehend something about God, he's other than that. He's bigger than that. The highest heavens cannot contain him. I'm a limited, finite, fallen individual. And so I need to be humble when I talk about God, when I approach God. But when I'm full of myself, pride, and arrogance, I begin to think that I am the man. Remember when Nebuchadnezzar did that, don't you? He thought he was God, and God had to turn him into a beast. Uh, 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 One of the uh, herods in the book of Acts, he heard his voice, and the people said, oh, that's a God talking. And he started believing the hype. God said, let let me touch that man's intestines and give him some bad ringworms. (laughs) It's not meant for man to receive the glory that only belongs to God. God is transcendent. He's above and beyond anything we could ever comprehend. Watch this. He transcends time. We don't. We had a beginning. God doesn't. Uh, uh, God transcends space. Uh, We don't. We can't. And watch this. God transcends gender. You know, God is spirit. So therefore, God can be a man or a woman. Time out. Hold up. God is spirit-transcended other than anything we could ever comprehend. But when he reveals himself to finite man, he always reveals himself in the masculine gender. Now, he's not a man that he should lie. That's what the Bible says. He's not a man. He's not a man. Okay, okay. But, But watch this though. He transcends gender. But don't you think you can transcend gender because God transcends gender? No, when he made us, he made us male and what? You can't transcend that. He does, you can't. Because if you can transcend that one, then go ahead and transcend time. Because if you can transcend gender, go ahead and transcend space. But you can't do that because there's only one God who is transcendent. Oh, my. Oh, my. I'm just talking theology. So they suppressed the truth, and it led to self-deification. I don't want to hear about God. I want to hear about myself. Secondly, self-deification, where does that lead? It always leads to self-indulgence. So now that you're God, you're going to eat, drink, and be merry. You're going to do what you want to do. And it's always a downward, immoral, amoral spiral. You see, when God created us, he made us a little lower than the angels. But once we sin, we fell but what the world comes along saying is that man started off down here as an amoeba, then became a frog, and then became a monkey, then became a gorilla, and man is still ascending to God's status. No, 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 no. We started up here, then we fell down here. And the God who's the most high came down here to lift us up to there. It ain't about us being the center of the universe. That we started small and now we're growing and expanding and we're the greatest thing since sliced water, sliced bread. No, 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 no. We're falling. My God. Verse 24, verse 24, I got to go. The Bible says, therefore, based on the fact that y'all want to deify yourself, therefore, God gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts. I'm going to talk about what that God also gave them up term means in a minute. Because it's mentioned three times. He gave, up, he gave them up to uncleanness. In the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie. And worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchange the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lust for one another. Men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. My, my, my. Don't take a, a, a man or a woman with a PhD to understand what Paul is saying right there. It's pretty clear if you look at it. Romans 1 is the clearest statement about homosexuality in the Bible. It's the clearest statement, which is why people want to hop over it or explain it away. Same-sex intercourse is one, listen to this, I'm going to help you all out. It's one of the many sins listed in chapter one. It's not the only sin listed in chapter one. It's one of the many sins. And, and and when I read the next portion, you're gonna see stuff about backbiters and whisperers, disobedient to parents, being unforgiving. That that's sin too. So 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 this ain't the only one. This is clear, but it's not the only sin. But watch this though. This is the only sin that's listed in this catalog of sins that is said to go against nature. The only one that's said to go against nature, both male homosexual sex and female homosexual sex are deemed as being not natural. They go against nature. Why? Because creator God designed sex to be experienced in marriage between a man and a woman who are married to each other. Heterosexual monogamous relations. That's how he created. That's natural. Any other combination, especially when we have same-sex combinations, it is unnatural. I can't say this everywhere. Some churches won't even let me say this in there. Even though I say this is in the Bible, they don't want that because they're into relative truth more than objective truth. And again, they're going to explain Paul away or say Paul has some kind of issue or that we are misinterpreting him. Well, knowing that Paul's main audience was Gentiles, he was the apostle to the Gentiles. Galatians chapter two, verse seven, Peter was the apostle to the Jews. Doesn't mean that Peter and Paul didn't minister to other cultures, but in terms of man, what Paul was known for, man, he ministered to Gentiles. Don't you think he understood the Gentile culture? He knew what it was about. And he knows he had to write Rome, which was the center of the world at that time. He had to write them. And in doing so, he had to write against same-sex relations. That was occurring rapidly and rampantly in Rome. If you read some history books, you will see that Rome did all kinds of lewd and immoral things. So when Paul is writing the church because the church got birthed there, Right in the midst of the darkness, here comes some light. This candlestick called the Church of Rome. And Paul says, I'm coming to preach the gospel to you in Rome, the church and the community. But I got to let y'all know that what's going on out there as far as sexual practice and everything else, but the sexual practice, it's lewd. It's wrong. It is unnatural. Because I know some of y'all got saved yesterday and you're being discipled today, but you got to know the truth of God. What well, 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 pastor passed away a minute now? Paul didn't have a problem with same sex consensual relations because that was the culture of Rome. He was only against predatory same sex relations. I'm trying to find that in this text right here. Whether it's predatory, An old man with a young man or there's rape or sodomy like we learned last week, that's wrong. Or if it's a man with a man and it's consensual, that's wrong. Or a woman with a woman that's consensual, that's wrong. Because like we said last week, if we start saying that that's right, that means God has changed and God has not changed, which means we are wrong. Pastor, why you got to poop our party? I see myself many times as a watchman on the wall, warning, because that's part of prophecy. Prophecy involves warning. And I'm warning folks who are listening online, folks who may be here, man, this is not the will of God. But if you struggle with same-sex attraction, because we all have struggles, we all have struggles. But if you struggle, please hear this, you're not in sin unless you act on it. Because we all get tempted. Being tempted is not a sin. Giving in to temptation is when sin occurs. Temptation comes at us from the outside. Temptation even comes from the inside. But being a believer in Jesus, he's given us help. He's given us wisdom. He's given us truth. I don't have to But whenever I do, it's a choice that I'm turning to something more than I'm turning to God. I'm looking to something more than I'm looking to God. But when I don't yield to temptation, that's not sin. So we all have stuff in us. And some of us have this thing in us where we're attracted to people of the same sex. We want to have relations with people of the same sex. You're in process just like the person who has other desires in himself or herself. But the issue is, are you acting on it? You don't have to act on it. And even if you have failed, there is forgiveness with God. You can't go so low that God can't find you, reach you, pick you up, turn you around, place your feet on solid ground. Because the devil wants you to think, oh, you messed up again. You can't be a Christian. You might as well just give up well, the fact that you're convicted means that I must be a Christian because I don't enjoy this, even though I keep doing this. You know, the stuff I don't want to do, Paul said, I keep doing it. Hey, man, there's a struggle, man. But the spirit that set me free is the one that's lifting me up saying, you are better than this. There is a fountain filled with what? Blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's and sinners plunge beneath the? Lose all their guilty, what? The blood still works. Oh, I got to go to my third and final point. Self-indulgence. Because self-deification always leads to self-indulgence. Self-indulgence, if you don't cut it, it always leads to self-destruction. Verse 28, verse 28, self-destruction. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over. So this is the third time you see God giving them over. What does that mean? Giving over speaks to the fact of God is saying, I'm removing my protective hand on your life. And I'm going to let you get what you want to get. Uh, In other words, you're saying you don't want me? You don't want to do things that I say. Uh, you don't want me involved. So, so, okay, I'm going to give you over to that, which means I'm going to lift the hedge, the restraining hand of protection, because the devil would try to, he would kill you if it wasn't for my hand of restraint. Don't get this twisted now. Uh, uh, like the old folks say, he saves us from danger seen and unseen. So, so God said, okay, I'm going to give you over to get what you want. Matter of fact, When people go to hell, hell is the answer to the sinner's prayer. God, I don't want you in my life. Okay. I'm going to give that to you for eternity. So hell, the the badness of hell is not the flames and the blackness of darkness and the pain and and the thirst. No, the, 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 the thing that makes hell, hell is that the presence of God will not be there to be enjoyed. That's hell. So if you don't want that on earth, that's a, okay, fine. Because it's just a taste of what you're about to get in eternity. Man, if I was lost, I'd be repenting right now. I'm saved and I'm repenting right now. God ain't nothing to be played with. self Destruction. Let me go back in here. He says, verse twenty-nine, being filled with all unrighteousness. Okay, I'ma hand you over. Let me go back to twenty-eight. He says, uh, God gave them over to a debased mind. Okay, okay, okay. So, so, so now your mind is debased. Why is your mind debased? Because godlessness leads to madness. You didn't lost your mind now. You tripping. You bugging. You out the box now. So, because God gave you over to do those things which are not fitting. Verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil mindedness. Uh, somebody said, I, I'm in the book. I see myself in the book. Uh, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. In other words you know the whipping is coming but you don't care and you're going to approve of things that people are doing that is calling for the wrath of God as well. You're approving of it because your mind is gone. Your mind a debased mind. Once we turn from orthodox Christianity and orthopraxy it won't be long before we turn from the Christian faith. Because with that debased mind that you thought was smarter than God, professing to be wise, you are a fool. You don't need God. At least you don't think you do. You don't need the one true and living God and his son, Jesus Christ. And so now you're either going to turn to yourself, turn to another God that is made up by man or created by God. Or you're going to turn to a version of Christianity that ain't Christianity. A version of Christianity that's going to let you have your sin and enjoy it. So you reconstructed. These popular words today, I'm reconstructing. And and really that's just a term saying I'm rebelling. Because I don't want God to tell me what to do because some people taught wrong about God, twisted the scriptures about God. You messed up by looking too much at man and not enough at God. If you're going to reconstruct, make sure you build back on the only foundation, which is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And don't you create Jesus after your own image and think that Jesus is okay with homosexuality because he didn't preach about it. Well, he didn't preach about rape or incest either. But we know how he felt about it, because when I read Moses, I know how Jesus felt. When I read Paul, I know how Jesus felt. So, do you have a problem with Paul? I got a problem with Paul. And I got a problem with any church that preaches Paul. And I'm going to leave a church that preaches Paul and go to a church that's going to tickle my ears and tell me what I want to hear. Because you're not preaching Paul right. All right, here we go. If you got a problem with Paul. And what he said in his passage, which, by the way, let me say this. Don't you miss this. Before he addresses homosexuality, he addresses self-deification. A lot of times we just want to come and talk about the sin of homosexuality. Hold on, back it up, slow it down. we got to deal with the God complexes we have. Because if you won't let God tell you what's right and wrong, you ain't going to let nobody tell you what's right or wrong. I got a problem with Paul. Well, in the medical world, when you go in for a diagnosis or prognosis, Jewel, help me, Dr. Joe, help me. I'm out here. I don't really know this world, but I'm going to try to sound deep. Uh, You get a diagnosis. And a lot of times we'll get a diagnosis that we don't like. Mm, I, I, I I don't like that. So a lot of times what we do, because we live in America, we go and get a, second, get a second opinion because I want to find a doctor that's going to tell me what I want to hear. Might not be what I need to hear, but I'm going to try to find me a doctor to tell me what I want to hear. That I don't have the C word or that I don't need a surgery. Right, let me find somebody. Tell me what I want to hear. So you go and get a second opinion. So I want to tell you, if you've got a problem with Paul, get a second opinion. Get one. But watch this, though. If you're a Christian, you got to stay in the network, though. You got to stay in the network. Uh, you know, I got insurance, and, and I got doctors that's in the network. I, I can't go out my network and try to find another doctor. So if I'm going to get a second opinion, they got to be in the network. If you got a problem with Paul, get a second opinion, but uh, stay in the network. Uh, go talk to Dr. Moses. Moses got a word for you. Uh, he He's in the network. Uh, go talk to Dr. Peter. He's spoken about this. He's in the network. And if you really have a problem, go see Jesus' brother Jude because he talks about this and he's in the network. He's in the Bible. Get a second opinion from the word of God about what God is saying on this subject and adjust your life accordingly. Let's stand for prayer. Don't let my passion cause you to turn me off. Don't let my directness cause you to turn me off. Above all, don't let Paul's directness and passion turn you off. Because if you turn from Paul, you're turning from the one who sent Paul. That's God. These are God's words. And in society, society lies. And a lot of us are swallowing the lies. Progressives, liberals, whatever you want to call us, we're believing the lie over the truth about God and the truth of God's word. But as for me and this house, but as for me and this house, we're going to serve the Lord. Father God, we stand in a world that believes the lie. They're dying because of the lie. They're reaping penalties within themselves because of the lie. We choose our sin but we do not choose the consequences. And there's so much manipulation that goes on. So much twisting. And Christians, Lord, if possible, the elect are being deceived by these things but... God, we got to come back to the word and let you speak to us and let you show us the clear, unadulterated text so that we can be compassionate ministers who do not compromise the word of God. Compassionate, but not compromise. Not condemning people, but Lord, hopefully compelling them to meet this Jesus. Who transforms. Yes, heaven is wonderful. Can't wait to get there. But God, you do something inside of a person. Making us new creation. You take us out of the prison cell where the poison is. You deal with the poison in us. Because you're the doctor who came to save sinners. But when we're self-righteous. When we think we're holier than even you. We're not going to repent. We're going to hide behind our excuses. We'll hide behind religion. We'll hide behind the arguments. But God, we're coming out from behind that mess. And we're coming to you humbly broken, saying, Jesus, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I believe the lie for far too long. Help me, Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Restore me, Jesus. And he's that kind of God who will do just that. Father, as we leave this place, we're going into a world that will label us as hate mongers, and homophobics, and insensitive. We're going into a world. But Lord, that's what you saved us for. To go into the world and preach the gospel. Not just in here, but out there. And preaching the gospel, the good news lets folk know there's a better way. I'm not better than you. I just know the better way. Give us wisdom as we're ministering to family members, as we may pull out these scriptures and people who have all kinds of perspectives and views. But God, help us to let the plain sense of the word speak for itself. Forgive the church in general for not having backbone to say what thus saith the Lord. Forgive us, Lord, for being more concerned about the praises of men rather than the applause of heaven. Forgive us for being afraid of losing friends, of being afraid of suffering for the gospel. But God, today is a new day. We have an opportunity, again, to love well, to sit with broken people, to sit with confused and hurting people just the way Jesus did. Not condemning, not condoning, but compelling But we got to believe it as your church. Thank you for how you're renewing our mind. You're transforming us. Keep teaching us, oh God. Protect this house. We love you. Now unto him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. And it's according to the power that's working within the church. To him be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority both now and forevermore. And all of God's people said. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. amen. If you're looking for a church home, come holler at me. All right, I'll be right here. I got these white cards for you. Come talk to me. You're looking for a church home. This might be it. Y'all have a great day. Be blessed.